building your business. 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 Welcome back once more to this evening's edition of Talking Point 8 to 9. It's Build Your Business. You've been used to Yazid Kamaldin. He's not available. So I'm standing in and this evening we are focusing on entrepreneurs and how important it is for those of you who are in business to know what you are doing and to know what lies ahead. Um, this evening your business, uh, we'll be talking about the do's and don'ts of debt and maintaining your business. And then I'll also have another the guest joining me this evening that's professor kevin johnston head of the department for uct's information systems in the commerce faculty professor already in the building but for now first we have a chat around the do's and don'ts of debt and maintaining your business now your business is just breaking even but you want to get that new equipment you want to upgrade but if you do it's going to set you back financially now we are continuing where we left off last week the do's and don'ts of maintaining your business that's what was started last week and we are just continuing with it now last week we heard that it was important to save money as much as possible we also heard from Brian that even if we own the business that we are an employee of our business we get a salary and not the profits of the business. Now, we need to let the business grow. That's the whole aim. That should be the whole aim of it all. And obtaining proper infrastructure to build the business. This evening, we'll be talking to someone that understands your predicament. If you're one of those entrepreneurs finding yourself in that, that uh, predicament. So let's talk to a business life coach, and that's Brian Maudsley yet again. Now, Brian is a full-time entrepreneur, a speaker, and a social media guru. And he's also a writer, and I believe Brian online already. Brian, a very good evening. Good evening to you, sir. Uh, thanks very much for once more joining us this evening on something, I think a topic very, very important. I want to kick off with um, the, um, you know, when we, let's start with off the bat. Do we need to put ourselves through additional debt to expanding the business? Or should we wait till funds are available through transactions? It all comes down to risk at the end of the day. You know, whatever it is that you're looking to do to expand, what is the risk involved? Is this something that is going to potentially double or triple your business? Then obviously you need to consider it. But, you know, if this is a nominal sort of a small change that might have a minor impact on your business, then you need to be in the position where you actually have the extra cash. I think it all comes down to a level of maturity. You know, you need, you need to look at the business not from a fly-by-night type of uh, approach, but more you want to build this into a business that lasts for a lifetime and making these rash decisions just off the, off the cuff willy-nilly could result in ultimately the business closing down and having to let go of staff. And, I mean, this is people's livelihood. So when it comes down to expanding, you need to be... M- mindful of whether or not to go into debt and whether you feel you can recover from that debt in a reasonable amount of time. Mm. In other words, it's going to take a lot of browbeating. You're going to have to sit and think really deep because your future could be online here. Not only your future, if you employ people, this is their livelihoods. This is what they pay. The, the, The money that you pay them is what they use to feed their families. So the responsibility of a business owner is far more than simply the profit and, and the amount of money they make. This is the, the lives of not just their employees, but their families at times. So 
you need to be mature and responsible before you start making these big decisions that put the company into debt that could ultimately lead to the closing of the doors. Mm-hmm. You must, must be mature. Absolutely. Brian, now, when we're selling our products, um, um, are we always looking at the bottom line? Should we always be looking at the bottom line? Should we ever compromise on quality and price of your product to increase sales? Sure, that's a, <laughs> that's a loaded question because uh, there you, you're touching on the topic of uh, ethics and morality. Mm. You know, do, do you cut a few corners to make the extra sale? The, the danger with that is if you're not going to cut those corners, are you going to go out of business? And if you are able to cut those corners, maintain customer satisfaction and still move forward, you know, you, you sort of have to weigh up the pros and cons. I'm not telling people to cut corners, not by any means, but you need to be looking for the opportunity to undercut your competitors and find that competitive advantage. You just need to be mindful of where that line is between the right way and the easy way. Yeah, going the wrong route could completely um, uh, bankrupt you and those working for you. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. Now, you know, it, it, like I said, it's the right way and the easy way. Often the easy way makes you a quick buck, mm. but at the end of the day, it jeopardizes the, the longevity of your business. So mm. sometimes looking at it and saying, well, look, we're not going to make as much profit if we go this route, but we're still going to be around in a year's time. Whereas those people who are going looking for the quick buck are looking to make money big now, and often those are the people that are not around in a year's mm. time. Would it be advisable? I'm, I'm assuming it depends then on you know the how big your business is that you're running. Uh, I was toying with the idea here because here you're looking at you want to invest invest in your business. Um, you want to buy to improve the business and uh, you know, probably the quality of your product, but do, taking the wrong decision. Shouldn't I then rather sit down with a financial advisor and, and, and buy, advise me? Absolutely. You know, the, the one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I feel, and I made this mistake myself, is I believed I could do everything. And what I realized quite quickly is there are certain areas that I lack the expertise. I cannot be an expert in HR, in finance, in manufacturing, in supply management. You know, so what you need to do is, depending on what area you're looking to expand in your business, speak to a professional. I myself not only have two different mentors, I have a business coach. Why not? I mean, if I can get a third party to look into my business and see either holes or opportunities that I don't see, why would I not want to take that mm. advice? So if you are looking to expand your business, before you do so, get an extra pair of eyes to look at it from an outsider's point of view and see if it is the best move to make right now. Because sometimes it might not be. And if you then hold back, you might be in a stronger position in a month or two months' time, and you might be able to make the expansion without jeopardizing the security of the business. So sometimes having an external point of view, like you say, a financial manager or a business coach or one of your mentors to look at the viability of your expansion before you go ahead with it is a good idea. Mm. Brian, I remember a couple of years ago, um, not a very close friend, but somebody I knew started his own business. It was little clothing production. He moved, he moved from his home where he was working, and I think in, in, in a garage, and we hired premises. 
And this guy went um, overboard, bought machines and that. And a couple of months down the line, the business was shut and he, he was on the street looking for a job. So this is what we are talking about here. If we're not very careful, that's exactly what could happen. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think one of the unfortunate things about the Internet is that even though we have access to this huge amount of information, we're com- constantly bombarded by these success stories. You know, the the Mark Zuckerbergs, the the Bill Gates, and, and these people who have made huge amounts of money through business, and everybody thinks they can do the same. And I'm not saying that people can't. The danger is that you need to, you need to be careful because one wrong decision, one incorrect or underhanded move or not thought out move could end up like your friend who or this person that you knew he thought the best move was to get premises buy machines and expand and clearly he hadn't analyzed the market sufficiently to realize that even with him expanding there wasn't the opportunity and as a result his business failed so that's where it comes back i think have a look or get somebody to have a look at your business from an outsider's point of view who doesn't necessarily have have that same vested interest and can look at it from almost a non-biased point of view and give you the advice, you have to obviously be open then to take that advice. Beautiful. Well, our guest online, Brian Maudsley, a full-time entrepreneur, speaker and a social media guru and also a writer. Brian, I just need to pay the bills quickly and I'm going to ask you just to hold on for one minute. Back with you after this. B-Y-B. Building your business. Well, welcome back once more to this evening's edition of Building Your Business. The lines are also open. If you have a question, you are an entrepreneur or you you intend starting, you're on the verge of it. This evening we've got a couple of experts here that you can really latch on to. So give us a call on 021-442-3530. That's 442-3530. Or use the SMS line 47913, 47913. After Brian, I'm also going to be having Professor um, Kevin Johnson that's going to be joining us. And we've had a chat off air. Um, I certainly look forward to that interview as well. But Brian, here this evening, really speaking... A lot of sense, business sense, and we've got to absorb this. Now, Brian, in, in today's technology, technologically advanced age with high-tech machinery and equipment, should we focus on cutting labor to increase a profit share? Sure. <laughs> it's a very big business approach to do that. You know, when me personally, I have a personal relationship with every single one of my staff members. For me to fire one of them just so that I make more profit and perhaps get some sort of machinery in or uh, buy some software that would effectively replace them, I personally would find that quite hard because the the staff that build the business, you know, they are the business and I personally would have an issue with that. But if you feel that that is the best move for you at that particular time and your conscience is, is comfortable with that, by all means, it, it all comes down to the individual. You know, the the truth of the matter is you can be as cutthroat as you want and fire people if you think it is going to Im- increase the, the, the profit share, by all means. But you also have to think long-term. People are what makes up a business. Mm. If you start getting rid of people just to follow the, follow the profits, 
uh, I imagine that one day it will come back to you when you need people and people no longer want to associate with you because they know that you've considered your staff expendable in the past. And especially if they've been with you for a time and they've become loyal. And uh, when you pain in your business, they pain with you, you know, they, they're with you. And I'm assuming, Brian, it's also nowadays with our labor law legislation, it's also not easy just to say to, you know, to workers, look, I don't, uh, don't need you anymore, Brian. That, I, I must be honest, uh, I, I spent 10 years living and, and working in Europe, and I can say that uh, since being back in South Africa, um, having that opportunity to compare the, the labor market South African employees are some of the most protected in the world. And going back to your point, you can't just willy-nilly fire people. You know, there has to be cause. And as a result, hiring of people needs to be a very conscious decision. You can't just willy-nilly hire people left, right, and center because you can't simply just fire people left, right, and center. Uh, in Europe, they can walk in and fire you on the spot, and there's very little you can do about it a lot of the time, mm. whereas that's not the case here. There's also a saying, Brian, that, you know, and in fact, how true is it? Don't fix something that isn't broken? Mm. I'm with you 100%. I mean, you know, sometimes the, the, the profit that you see in this particular month might not be where you want it to be, but the people that got you to where you are now are the same people that are going to get you to where you want to be one day, especially if you are loyal to them. They will be loyal to you. And Good, good people are hard to find, I'll be honest with you. As much as we have a massive unemployment problem in South Africa, I do feel that if you find good people, it's worth sticking with them, even when things aren't as peachy as they could be. Sometimes it's a good idea just to hang on to the good people in those tough times, bite the bullet, because with a bit of luck, they'll stick with you and bring you through into the good times again. Mm. Brian, I've got to share this with you. I've almost run out of time. That's a year or two ago, I was listening to an interview. It's a labor law program. And this guy said, well, it's in the northern suburbs here in the Western Cape. And he was manufacturing furniture. And he had about six or eight guys working for him. Nothing big. And then he said that um, he one day just thought, you know, I've never really asked these guys what their family life is like. And he called them in one by one and said most of them um, were excessively in debt. And this was the problem. And he said to him, okay, I've got a friend that is um, that can work out your finances and give you a plan. Got it in. Got them all sorted out, and he says, you won't believe it. <laughs> My production, you know, multiplied. I, I had to stop it eventually. But it just goes to show the importance of good relations. So don't just fire people <laughs> because you want to benefit out of it, Brian. Absolutely. You know, you know the, the whole premise of this, this show, in my opinion, is giving people insight on how to start a business and grow a business. And... The one thing that I think is, is underlying in all of this is you need to build a business that is going to be sustainable. Don't just be chasing profits. If you're going to be chasing profits, you may make profits. I'm not saying that you won't. But if it's not sustainable, you're not actually contributing. You're not contributing to your community, to the, the economy, to the country. And that will eventually come back and bite you. You need to be mindful that you are working to 
build a better world. Mm. And if you do that every day when you go to the office, you're mindful that you're trying to make everybody's life better, guaranteed. In fact, there's a, there's a famous saying by uh, motivational speaker Zig Ziglar. He says, you can have everything you want in this world if you just help enough other people get what they want. Wow. Wise words. Brian, so powerful. Oh, no, absolutely. Brian, I've got to leave it on that note. No problem. Uh, are people able to get hold of you during the day? Absolutely. Um, they can hit me up on brian at insideman.co.za anytime. Um, I, I get my emails to my phone, so, you know, you can pop me a mail. I'm pretty sure to get it and get back to you within a reasonable amount of time, reasonable being within the day. Okay, so it's uh, brian at insideman. .co.za Brian, for your time with us this evening on The Voice of the Cape, thanks very, very much and a pleasant evening Always to you, a sir. Pleasure. Thanks you and bye-bye. Have a evening. Well, thanks, bye-bye. That's Thank Brian, you, Brian Maudsley there, full-time entrepreneur, speaker and social media guru and on top of that, also a writer. I certainly hope those of you have been listening to it and I want to know if, if you are an entrepreneur and you've got your own little business running, would be small, medium size, or you are contemplating going that route, uh, because very, very shortly we're going to find out from, from Professor KJ here next to me, um, when we look at the role of entrepreneurs within the country, what's the role that they play, how important are they? they? So let's just check and see, now we go straight to our guest, Professor Kevin Johnston, Head of the Department for UCT's Information Systems in the Commerce Faculty, but Professor said, please, JW, Call me KJ. <laughs> Professor, very good evening. Thanks for joining us. And especially coming in personally, eyeball to eyeball. Thanks, Jamil. Thanks very much for having me. It's very nice to be in your studios here. Beautiful. I was saying to Professor, I, I'm very, very KJ. sure. KJ. KJ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, in the Belleville area every day. And uh, you see foreigners coming in. Um, and you, they have shops all over the show. In the northern suburbs, we are driving around out of people's garages. They operate entrepreneurs. And uh, there's a particular um, lot of gentlemen from a certain country. And what they, they've, apart from shops now, the one guy or a group of them got together, they've got their own warehouse in Belleville. And I see delivery trucks from companies coming in, delivering in bulk there. So what they've done is, instead of a shop, they are now supplying their brothers with stock. Wow! Okay, so if we look at this, um, the history and future of entrepre entrepreneurship in so, South Africa. Sorry, can I just comment on, on that story? I you would just love to hear your view on it. I think that, you know, globally, people know that um, people who come into a country are hardworking people, they're dedicated people, uh, they're people who faced a lot of challenges to get there. And so they, they're gen generally people that the country wants. Mm. So, for example, there's, there's millions of people fleeing uh, uh, parts of the world at the moment. You know, there's so many refugees. And it's amazing or sad to me that, that we as South Africa don't approach some of those people and invite them in. Because they're the kind of people who make a difference to a country, to an economy. Many of them are, in, do, in fact, become entrepreneurs because they don't have all the systems in place to get jobs, etc., etc. If you look at a country like the United States, they have so many uh, people who've arrived from other shores. Mm -hmm. I was at a meeting in, in, in um, Cisco about 10 years ago, and uh, of the 12 people at the table, eight 
and they were all full-time employees of the company. Eight were foreigners who were not born in the United States. Okay, and that came from all over the world. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, certainly it's, it's amazing. And, and uh, you know, they live simple lives and they trade. And, and look, if we look they at what happened hard. to them, the foreigners, you know, shops burned down, looted. And if you look where the shops are, I would, I don't know, wow, yes, a shop, uh, you know, informal, but they're trading, they're doing business. Mm-hmm. They're not begging and knocking on my door for, for handouts. Handouts, exactly. I also want to go back to the history and future of entrepreneurship in South Africa. Has it got a bright future? I think it's incredibly bright. Um, Most universities in South Africa these days uh, and and colleges teach entrepreneurship. I mean, at at UCT, I can speak for us, we cover it in several courses, in information systems, accounts, marketing, etc. In fact, the the Faculty of Commerce have uh, what's called DUNE, a development unit for new enterprise. Um, but, you know, there's, there's things that, that people can use. If you just look at the future, uh, the South African Institute for Entrepreneurship um, and the, the uh, website is www.entrepreneurship.co.za and it's right here in, in or near here in observatory. There's, there's institutes like um, Shanduka Black Umbrellas, which is just up the road here. Okay, at, yes. uh, yeah, which empowers black businesses, particularly small, medium enterprises. There's Capacity, which is the uh, Cape uh, uh, City Council um, coordinating IT and preparing youth for for technology technology jobs. In fact, they launched today something called Propel, where they're offering 25 internships, paid internships for 6 to 12 months to young people who want to get into technology. And, and possibly become tech entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I think there's tremendous um, future for entrepreneurs in South Africa. If you look at the, the, just changing the subject slightly, if you look at the top 20 companies by market capital on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange at the moment, there's only really two tech companies in the top 20. That's MTN and Vodacom. The others, the, the top one as of yesterday was, was British and American Tobacco. Number two was uh, SAB Miller. Basically showing that, uh, you know, tobacco and alcohol are kind of (laughs) our big sellers here. Um, But if you look at the the, uh, NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, there's eight in the top 20. And that includes companies Apple, which is number one, Microsoft, number three, Google, number four. And then there's various others like Oracle, Facebook, etc. So that's four times as many tech companies. And so we're a bit slow. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there. For, for young entrepreneurs. Well, certainly, because if I move amongst youngsters, I'm, you know, they look at me and say, well, anti-cardio-operate <laughs> a computer properly. <laughs> and especially with, I'm, with my kids, I just watch and then, then I'm lost. So, and, and, and that's the, 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 the root of the future. I think everybody, including you, <laughs> cannot live without technology. Absolutely. And you're going to love technology. I have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson. He can tell the difference between an iPhone and a toy. And let me tell you, he prefers the iPhone. So, okay, history and future of entrepreneurship in South Africa. We're saying it's rosy, very, very rosy. Um, and universities are geared for this. Yes, definitely. All the universities are, are, are training people, trying to... to get them to understand entrepreneurship, etc. Very different from, let's say, 30 years ago. Oh, yes. 
Professor, and also if, if we look at, uh, you know, the question would also be why is the South African government banking on SMMEs and uh, entrepreneurs to aid our economy? That, that's very, very simple. They know who creates the jobs. Okay, there's only three sectors that create jobs. Government, and they create very, very few new jobs. They're basically shuffling. Uh, big organizations, again, they create very few new jobs. The SMEs, the entrepreneurs, are the people who create new jobs. Uh, and we need a lot of new jobs. I mean, our unemployment, oh, yes. depending on what you look at, is, is very high. The, the, the official rate is, is 25%. But, mm. I mean, there's, there's many uh, um, banks and, and other economists who put it much higher. <coughs> So, so we need we need the SMEs and the entrepreneurs to create jobs because that's where jobs are created. Mm. Each little company that creates or that starts a business starts employing one, two, three, four, five people, and, they, and you've got that multiplying effect. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think the government has got a couple of prob uh, programs going to assist. Um, but it means we need to be aware of it and uh, be able to access it. That's right. And I think there's programs like uh, Shanduka. In fact, the, the uh, deputy president of South Africa is, is one of the uh, people involved in Shanduka and uh, things like City. And these are all available mm -hmm. to people. They just got to look at it. It's, it's uh, shandukablackumbrellas.org. And city is citi.org.za. Uh, you know, one can look at these things, www.entrepreneurship.co.za. People can look at all these things on the internet. And as your previous um, guest said, there's a huge amount of information on the inf internet. And the, the question always is, what is relevant and what is credible? Mm. And that is one of the roles of, of universities, just to give us a plug, is that we help people understand what is relevant and what is not. not. Mm. Yeah. In fact, I would really have loved to have a lot of more time with you because I come to the next question now. Mm -hmm. How can entrepreneurs, I've got tongue around that one, it's getting late for me in the evening, how can they exploit the web to capture their niche? Okay, um, there's various things that, that one has to do. I think the first thing is one's got to have a clear definition of the problem or opportunity that one's trying to, to solve. Okay, um, one then is to investigate and understand what's happening in the market for your product or service that you, you, you're trying to put out there. So you've really got to understand what the customers want, what the opportunity or the problem is. Then once develop a way of measuring that. So it's pointless going in unless you can say this is what it was now. So you've got measurable things. Okay, and you can measure it afterwards. Then you need to develop some kind of action plan where you look at technologies, you look at the people you need. As your previous speaker mentioned, you need people skills, which is, which is vital in any business. And once you put that into action, you then need to control it and manage it and make sure that you, you're reaching your targets, that you're making your measurements, that you're hitting your goals, etc., etc. So the web can be used to gather knowledge Okay, it can be used to gather technology because there's so many things oh, that are yes. open source and, and things like that. It can be used to, to gather managerial activity. Your previous speaker mentioned people who look at your business, etc. Mm. All those kind of things. You can get stakeholder support and you can even get money off the web. There's many uh, uh, websites now where people will invest in your business if they really believe in it. Beautiful. Professor, I've just got a caller online. Voice of the Cape, Salaam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Wa alaikum salam. Um, 
I've got a, a you know a, a, an aspect that I'd like to you know to uh, input into the discussion, and that is that you know very often uh, you know we when we try to grow businesses etc and so on we get advisors in and you know and the 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 one thing you know you you earlier on intimated for example when you know the Somalis and so on they have mm. businesses and, and they seem to be able to prosper whereas our people find it difficult you know I think from my personal opinion the the reason why they are succeeding is because in my opinion they're doing it more of an Islamic way in other words when you you know uh, in order to grow you you know we know that interest is not permissible you know, but nobody, mm. or, or rather our ulama, don't, don't you know, they're not schooled in Islamic economics, so they don't tell you how to avoid interest. You know, how do you, how do you go about going to lend money? You know, in, in my opinion, the best way, the most Islamic way is to, is to acquire partners, to acquire people. In other words, that's how they, the, the, those Somalis do it. Yeah. They work together partners you know so they do they buy in bulk and they share and and, and share and, and this is how they prosper and mm. i think our business people our you know our people should uh, adopt this islamic way mm. of doing things you know oh, uh, put down on the table look interest is not permissible what is mm-hmm. the alternative and work and study and find the means how you can avoid this don't don't entertain okay loans mm. you know i want to I, grow my business you know pick, pick comes along and says i'll uh, buy uh, i'll buy uh, uh, so many things from you now in order to supply that uh, that uh, order you'd mean you must go and buy extra machinery okay. to go and do it oh you know okay i've got the, we've got the point brother but we're running out of time here uh, i didn't catch your name was fee was fake. I say shukran for the comment i'm going to ask the professor after the ad break uh, just to respond to that but shukran for phoning in Salam. Waalaikum salam. Um, I think we've got to pay the bills and then perhaps if you want to comment on what he had to say, Professor. Voice of the KYB. 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 Building your business. Your business. Your business. Well, we continue the last couple of uh, minutes of the program, and I, I so much would want to sit and chat the whole evening here. It's not often I get to call a Professor KJ. <laughs> uh, but, um, Professor, I, you've listened to what the caller had to say there. Um, he mentions Islamic finance, and I think it's just a word of caution to Muslim business people. Um, so I don't know if you really want to comment on it. Well, the only comment really that I can make, I'm not an expert on, on finance, <laughs> but, you know, finance is one way to, to build a business. The mm-hmm. other way is the things that you need are people, as we've mentioned before. Uh, you can share with people, you can give people a stake in your business, etc. Uh, technology is another way, of course, uh, reducing your, your, your number of people. And the other way is changing your business processes, which is the way you deliver your product or your service. So cutting out a a middleman, making things simpler, making things faster, those kind of things can all help. I've often heard in the past, um, when it comes to small businesses, where the atmosphere is with the owner and the staff, you know, it's a good atmosphere, he or she is interested in the workers, their welfare, Mm. workers likewise. 
production increases. I think we've said it earlier Absolutely. on, but production simply increases. And sometimes that's a factor that's missing when we start businesses and employ people. You, you cannot run a business without people. Mm. I mean, your, your staff are people, your customers are people, and those are the two most vital things you need. And if you look after both, your staff and your customers, to me, that's a recipe for your business growing. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, my guest here, for those of you who've tuned in a little late, it's Professor Kevin Johnson, Head of Department for UCT's Information Systems in the Commerce Faculty. Professor, I want to go now to um, when we talk about the web. Is the web a do-all and glory-for-all portal? No, not at all. Ah. You still need a good idea. You still need a good product. You still need good management. You need good people. You need good marketing. You need all those things to succeed. You know, you can't just put something on the web and think people are going to come there. Mm. You need all those good things. I mean, if I create a website, you might not even know about it. So I have to spend money marketing it. I have to have good business processes so that if you buy something off my site or whatever, it's going to get to you. Mm. I often, as a simple example, would go to flea markets on the weekends with my wife and I browse around. When I go from stall to stall and they all seem to be selling the same thing. Oh, no, I'm wasting my time here. (laughs) (laughs) So the web, it's not the, as you said, the do-all and be-all. No, definitely not. Mm. I think what, what, I know we're running out of time, so what I'd like to just tell you and, and leave your listeners with is is that the web gives you, or internet and, and, and IT, uh, it's such a huge area. There's so many different jobs and so many different opportunities and so many different things that one can do. But the things that people forget, to be a good entrepreneur, there's a few things we need which government almost needs to supply. You need a good infrastructure. You need to have stable power. You need to have good water. You need to have roads. You need to have bandwidth. All those things which are the bigger mm. picture. So don't forget the government. You can have as brilliant systems as you like, but if your power falls over every 10 minutes, you're going to battle to run your business. Mm. We need laws and rules that protect your intellectual capital, your intellectual property. So mm. if you come up with an idea that I can't steal that idea, okay? If you look at countries like the United States, they have very good IP laws. We need to get rid of this culture of red tape and corruption Mm. and bribery, because that adds to an entrepreneur's Mm. costs, and and you really battle if you're trying to compete with other people, if you're paying bribes and it's taking you six months. You know, in in a country like Singapore, you can get an import-export license in something like 24 hours, seven days a week, okay? You can get a passport in something like two days, seven Mm. days a week. We need to to do that. Plus, you need people skills. You need people who can be developed and who want to be developed and so on. Professor, you don't have a website perhaps with advice and entrepreneurs want to go onto it or not really? Me personally, no. But okay. UCT does have, which is which is June, and I don't know the exact address, but it's the uh, development unit for new enterprises. Development um, unit for new, new enterprises. enterprises. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to jot that down and ask our listeners, those who want to have a little a look at that. Perhaps and of course, there's entrepreneurship.co, the one I mentioned before, mm. in, in, uh, and it's in the 11 Drake Street Observatory if you want to walk there. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Professor, I would really like to have you in again at some convenient time for yes. a longer stint with me. Um, where we open up I'd the lines and, um, you know, and because I, I really think that uh, when we look at entrepreneurship and I've got a couple of friends that have got their own little businesses running and they're quite happy, and, you mm. know, 
sometimes I do get the feeling that they need advice, <laughs> guidance. I think um, we all need advice yeah. and guidance. And, and, and certainly government is depending on it, because as you said earlier on, that's where jobs are created. That's right. We need 11 million jobs by 2030 to meet the National Development Plan. Oh, it's going to give me nightmares tonight. <laughs> 11 million. Wow. And where, who's going to, government on, mm -hmm. is not going to create them. You know, the, the, the British American Tobacco, all those mm. companies, they aren't going to create 11 million jobs. Yeah. Well, Professor Kevin Johnson, Head of Department for UCT's Information Systems in the Commerce Faculty. Professor, once more, thanks for your time. It was an absolute pleasure having you here this evening. Sorry it was so short, but... Uh, no problems. Thanks for having us, Jamil. Okay, and thanks for allowing me to call you KJ. <laughs> well, everyone does. <laughs> BYB. 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 Building your business. Well, last couple of minutes of this evening's edition of uh, Building Your Business. I have joining me now. Every week we try to interview insp inspirational stories of those who have taken the plunge to self-sustain themselves from the financial burden of everyday life. And uh, this evening I've got Fatima Hassan, entrepreneur with own label in Modest Ladies Islamic Way. And I think it goes under the brand name Minahan Fashions. Fatima, assalamu alaikum to you. Alhamdulillah. Shukran very much for joining us, the entrepreneur with own label. Uh, it's ladies' clothing, Islamic wear that you produce. Okay, um, I rather not direct it as Islamic wear. I label it modest clothing. Okay. Gives it a, a more um, broader perspective for non-Muslims as well. Okay, okay, so it's not. Now, tell us more about your type of business. Okay, basically it's the clothing business I'm in. Um, I grew up in the industry, so it's like second nature, you know. Wow. Um, I do mostly abayas. I design it myself. I do the pattern making as well. And um, I've branched out into the um, into the youth, you know, more teenager range clothing. And alhamdulillah, that's actually working great for me. Oh, fantastic. Now, how dependent are you on your business and why did you take this plunge? That's to be <laughs> quite a decision, Fatima. Okay. This is my only source of income, so I, I do everything in, to the best of my ability every single day because this is my only income that I have. Um, it's a challenge all the time, um, weekly, daily, you know, it's something that I face with every day. So basically, yeah, this is my only income. Yeah, no, I can just imagine if you're looking at, at it from that angle, and certainly um, you would want to plow everything into it. Now, how are you trading your garments, and uh, is there interest in your products? Yes, definitely. Alhamdulillah, um, my products is on Facebook as well. And also, I have branched out. Um, I joined some expos at the Gateful Civic Hall once a month, and maybe a longer wow. as well. And that has helped um, my actual brand, the label as well, the clothing, uh, more exposure to, to all the people and the public out there. Mm. And, and the premises that you operate from, is it from home or do you have your premises somewhere? No, no, definitely I work from home, mm -hmm. from home. I yes. do everything from home, cutting, designing, everything from the home. Okay, and, and you know, people listening to us this evening and they want to see some of your products, they're able to contact you? Yes, definitely. They can contact me via WhatsApp or they can telephone me or can, they can just email me as well. Beautiful. Uh, we'll get that just before I wrap up with the interview. Now, when you look at 
I just had Professor KJ here with me, an absolutely delightful gentleman, really. Um, when we look at quality, is quality and price a determining sale factor? And do you or do you ever compromise? Definitely, I heard the um, beautiful words of the professor, very inspiring as well. Mm. You know, in, in the clothing marketing, um, it's up and down. You know, fashion comes and goes, so it's a whole lot of trendy things that you need to consider. And, you know, with prices of fabric also going up and down, all those things need to be considered in consideration. But there's always, um, you know, a way and a means where you can accommodate certain people as well. And that is what I normally do. Um, some people would say, you know, modest Islamic clothing is very expensive. Yes, definitely. Um, I agree to a certain um, extent, but, um, you know, we can accommodate the less fortunate as well, which is actually what my father and a few friends are also doing. Okay. Fatima, I've got to wrap now. Uh, how do people get hold of you? They can email me at milanproducts yeah. at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Or they could just simply call me at 071-885-3767. Okay, so Fatima's contact number, 071-885-3767. And then you said uh, Minan. What was that um, address you gave me? Minan. Minan Products at products. gmail.com. Okay, I've got yeah, fashions here. So it's Minan Products uh, at gmail.com. Okay, Fatima, everything of the very best for, for the future. May you grow from strength to strength with your business. Shukran for your time this evening, and I say to you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah wa alaikum salam.